Hey folks, Keith here. Just a reminder that today's episode is part of our mini-series, Whiteboard Innovators. If you have questions about what this series is about and who OPG, the host, is, you can go back and listen to the episode that Olivia and I recorded where we discussed this mini-series, how it came about, and why she's involved in it. I'm really excited to share the podcast with Olivia for this episode and the other ones in this mini-series. I hope you enjoy it. Take care. Hello, and welcome back to Whiteboard Innovators. At Bain, we take our most innovative, wild, and out there ideas to the whiteboard, where we translate them from a disruptive concept into a workable reality. Today, we invite you to grab a marker and join us as we sketch out what's happening at the forefront of innovation and entrepreneurship at Bain & Company. Today, we have an incredibly special guest, Caitlin Gao. Caitlin is the co-founder and CEO of League One Volleyball, aka Love, a first-of-its-kind professional women's volleyball league launching in the U.S. At only a little over three years old, Love is already generating tons of hype, and Caitlin's investors include big names like Billie Jean King, Kevin Durant, Chelsea Handler, and more. Prior to starting Love, Caitlin worked in retail for 20-plus years, holding high-level positions at companies such as Lululemon, Sephora, and Coach. Perhaps most importantly, she is also a Bain Chicago alum. So Caitlin, welcome. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Oh my gosh. It's our pleasure. So excited to chat with you today. With all of our alums, I like to start at the beginning with your experience at Bain. So bear with me for a second. It's summer of 2000 and your brand new AC on your very first Bain case. Take me back to that moment. Were you confident? Was the job what you expected? You know, summer of 2000, best time to be in Chicago is the summer. I grew up around Chicago and I get staffed on this procurement case. It was such an incredible summer. I still remember our C2, I believe at the time, is now my co-founder, Peter Hirschman. And <laughs> Mohammed Anjarvala, who, you know, I think is in Boston now, but no longer a Bain, but also a Bain, an, an amazing Bain alum, was my SAC. What an awesome team. And I... I will definitely get into your relationship with Peter, your co-founder later, because I love that that's a Bain connection. Yeah, my very first, very first case at Bain. I was barely out of college. <laughs> so after two years at Bain, you're thinking through what to do next. You chose Sears Roebuck. Talk to me a little bit about that decision-making process. Why was that the right time to leave? And why was Sears Roebuck the right next step? So I'm an immigrant from China. I came in sixth grade, lived in the cornfields of Chicago, Batavia, Illinois. And this is back in the day in the 90s where Sears was like, where you go for everything. You get a cartoon up Sears. You want a lawnmower? Sears. You want a sweater? You go to Sears. It's sort of this iconic brand. And I was always really intrigued with retail consumer and brand because my grandparents in China were both you know, retailers, they, they were, albeit very small retailers, but that's kind of, it's in the lineage. <laughs> it skipped a generation with my parents, but I've always had a, certainly a, an affinity towards it. So you then went to HBS, heard of that one, and graduated, took a series of awesome jobs at places like Sephora, Lululemon. And then a little over three years ago, you stepped up to be CEO and co-founder of Love. I'm curious, after spending so long in the corporate world and the retail space, was entrepreneurship always something that was sort of in the back of your mind as something you were interested in? 
I don't know that I was that self-aware to be thinking about entrepreneurship for 20 plus years to say, ah, finally the time has come. I actually think it was much more of a catalyst just by, you know, Peter and I connecting on this idea that there's this huge potential in a sport that seems totally underserved. And both of us immediately were like, brand's got to be part of this. And he's like, well, you're a brand maker. Like you should really think about this. And I do think, you know, it kind of comes back to the theme of relationships and people. Such an important kind of theme on how we think about how to navigate our lives. I was, to be honest, a little bit hesitant. I was both extremely excited and definitely thought, oh my gosh, you know, do I really want to kind of step off of 20 plus years on a certain kind of track? I do think as you progress in your career, though, you do tend to have more opportunities to reflect and say, of all the roles that I've had, the experience that I've had, what are the ones that really got me excited? And I felt like it didn't feel like quite work. And I actually think that to me, it was super clear, even at that time uh, before love, that in roles where I was in the start from scratch, create from scratch, or scale mode, regardless of price point, regardless of category, regardless of channel, those really motivated me way more than roles where I was being asked to, you know, steer and maintain the ship. I love this message. I think it's important for Bainies to hear that it can be so easy for us to be kind of heads down on one path, on the clear path in front of us, right? We're all sort of, I think at Bain, we talk about where we're sort of perfectionists, we're working towards maybe this, this more certain future. And it's important to take a step back and be intentional and thoughtful about where you get your energy. And don't be afraid to maybe try something that's a little bit different, whether it's, you know, internal to Bain or, or elsewhere. But okay, so you uh, hop out of the retail corporate world and onto this rocket ship. For those who are unfamiliar, can you explain a bit more about what exactly love is? Sure. Love is the brand that we're building for this amazing sport of volleyball to really help, I think, you know, raise the awareness of the sport, expand the sport, and through a very intentional purpose and profit approach, we're advancing women through the commercialization of a sport that so deserves it. Um, It's the number one sport for high school girls in the US. It's got 900 million fans across the world. Yes, it's it's a very global sport. I grew up watching it on TV, you know, as a child in China. And 48 million of those fans are here in the United States it only trails behind the major five and it's ahead of tennis, ahead of golf, ahead of lacrosse. So that's really important in terms of like, when you think about the size of the space and the popularity and the participation base, and then you compare that to, well, who's doing anything in it? Caitlin, why is that? It seems like when you're, when you're laying it out right now, it seems so obvious, right? It seems so obvious. My hypothesis is that it has everything to do with all the commercialization you typically see in women's sports tend to borrow their men's counterpart. So the WNBA was born out of the NBA. The NWSL is born out of MLS. And that's both a fantastic existing infrastructure to leverage from, but also it's a little bit of that kind of comparison effect that could also hinder you and makes you 
constantly having to pay attention or justify in some cases why you shouldn't be compared to, mm-hmm. right? And there isn't men's volleyball that is somehow that in existing infrastructure for women's volleyball to really tag onto or to leverage. That is fascinating. And I think a really exciting opportunity. I'm curious. So so you mentioned earlier, you're building love really from the ground up with these club teams. Can you explain a little bit more about practically how that works? Our strategy is very much at the core, love as a brand is what we're building, but we're doing it kind of in two layers. The first most important layer is the core assets of this brand. And that is the club business, the youth business, right? Which we also hope that through those clubs, we're able to extend into other age groups as well as sitting and you know outdoor and indoor. And then there's the pro. So if you can think about those two core assets of the brand, they're actually quite mutually enforcing of each other. You can't be what you can't see. And so that direct interaction between the pros and the club community is extremely important. So pro provides that halo for and a differentiator for the club. And the club provides that built-in identity, loyalty, and consumer for pro. But we don't stop there, right? Like for us, The idea and the full vision is that from those two core assets, you've basically unlocked all these other value pools. So it's experiential product. It is physical products like, you know, lifestyle brand that has apparel, et cetera, and or digital, right? So experience being events, physical being more the lifestyle products and digital in terms of content and other ways of interacting that's much more on the digital platform. So you know, we think about all of this and and down the road, franchises of pro leagues are, you know, extremely valuable. If you have a league that you're, you're getting ownership in a franchise that already comes with the community behind it, right. Versus just this league or franchise that's kind of just out there and very tops down. That's how you build an ecosystem. Not all at once. (laughs) We have Mm -hmm. to be super disciplined, but we certainly have a very clear and overarching plan for how love becomes synonymous with volleyball. Has any other sports league been built in this way? No. I do think in Europe, a lot of the soccer clubs, Mm. football clubs, you know, I don't know which one came first, but that connection between the youth and pro is very tight. I mean, it's like you're born into this soccer club, you know, when you're born as a baby. Mm. And for us, it's how do we create a brand and offer consumption so that we are driving lifetime consumption of the sport in our ecosystem. One of the things that I really enjoy is the way that you talk about profit and purpose at Love, right? I've heard you say like, this is absolutely a company with a mission. And I hear that in the way that you have have conceptualized all of this, right? It feels like at its core, Love is really about empowering women. Can you talk a little bit about why that was an important driving force for you and then how you stay oriented around that mission as you're building a profitable, self-sustaining company? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a predominantly female-led game, right? Where 80 plus percent of the participants are female. It is the number one high school participated team sport period in the US. So how can we drive commercial success in the midst of that create more professional opportunities where you don't just kind of spend all this time in the sport 
and boom, you, you know, after college one, you can't even play pro because there's no established league here. So you go abroad, regardless of how good you are. And let's say you did that. And then you want to come back and have a family. Well, your choices in being in the profession of volleyball is very limited. What we're building is this community, right? Mm-hmm. And you get, I think the network effect of just even creating this community can also have very a long lasting impact not the least of which is just getting more people access to the sport through our commercial success. And hopefully that also drives just whether it's going to college and and having more of those opportunities to advance that way or finding their careers within the sport because we build a platform so big that they have plenty of choices. Yeah. I think there's also just something incredibly special about empowering women athletes. You know, I was not the most athletic person when I was younger, still can't claim to be, but I watched my younger cousin. She's in high school now and she plays hockey and her relationship with competition, with her body, with her own self-confidence, I think has really been shaped in the best way by being able to be out on the ice, competing with her teammates, part of this community. Yeah. It's interesting. Also the affinity with the sport that you identify with, not only do you feel this level of belonging and community, but also as you think about advancement in your life, so much of that has to do with relationships. Mm. And when you find commonality like that, it helps you in your professional and personal lives. My internship before Bain, I was at Bear Stearns. And I remember not was within our group, but that summer, I remember hearing about just in one particular team, there was maybe a bunch of people that played lacrosse in the Northeast. It's a very popular game, right? It continues to grow in popularity, which is fantastic. But it felt like there was definitely sort of this camaraderie around that game in the group. Mm. And I remember thinking like, what is that for women? Because, you know, banking back in the day also was very predominantly men. And I wonder if that's volleyball. It's the number one high school sport. Why can't that be the sport catalyst that unites, you know, women in how they think about constructing their teams in the future. I love it. You know, they talk about the men's club. Now we've got, we've got the women's club. (laughs) I like it. We want everyone to be in volleyball. We just want that to be a catalyst, but certainly predominantly there's women in here. Okay. Switching gears here. You've brought on several Bain alums to play crucial roles in love. Could you talk about why you believe that Bain alums make good startup employees and investors? Absolutely. That's right. We have both folks that are on the working team, as well as some of our earliest investors are, you know, folks within our Bain network, a lot of current Bainies. So thank you all. Bain is such an incredible source of amazing talent. And I think in particular, there is that unique combination of scrappiness, this unique combination of people who are, yes, conscientious, but just super smart, but practical. But also the openness, I think, of Bainies to just be lifelong learners, because this can't be like a Bain exclusive team. I don't know that we would succeed very well, (laughs) uh, not in the world of building a brand for for volleyball. I, I think the fact that we're able to really kind of aggregate this team of diversified backgrounds in sports, in volleyball in particular, 
and a lot of Bainese that have left Bain and had very deep operational experiences, all of that sort of is the magic sauce, right? But I love the disposition of, you know, smart, scrappy, practical, and open-mindedness. I love it. There's something in the water. I'm curious, how could Bain as an organization better serve you as an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, I think Bain has such an incredible network of existing talent, obviously, who are currently at Bain, but also the amazing alumni talent. Peter and I, both of our experiences at at Bain and the network we had certainly helped us with that, but that was very much informal. Mm -hmm. So are there more formal ways where all of these amazing assets that Bain can bring forth, you know, you're applying that to innovation space, to entrepreneurship. So how can we activate that, whether it's on the investing side, whether it's on more formal ways other than their recruiting drinks to actually match up talent to really think about operationally, how can the Bain network and the Bain infrastructure interact with these amazing ideas that a lot of ex-Bainy entrepreneurs are coming up with? Absolutely. I think Bain has a huge opportunity to do a lot more there. That's awesome. I totally agree. I think that there's a lot that we can do and we have some exciting things coming down the pipe there as well. Do you have any advice for Bainies who are aspiring startup CEOs? Just kind of being open-minded to what's around you. And you never know when an opportunity either comes directly from you yourself or a friend or a colleague. And don't be afraid to explore it, right? And I know that all of us kind of you know, if you're at Bain, there's a lot of things that you ticked off that list exactly so, and probably in the exact sequence you expected it. And I think just being more open-minded about how that sequence may or may not change, the timing may or may not change, could just open you up for, you know, listening to others around you. And that might spark an idea or spark a, a test. That is awesome advice. Okay. We are tragically reaching the end of our time together. The last question that we ask everyone at Bain, we're guided by our true North. What has been the true North for you throughout your career? And I'll, I'll tack on here. Has it changed at all since you started at Bain 23 years ago? For me, true North is not sort of this one super simple summarized slogan. So much of true north, I think it's almost like this, like what's in your gut. The best part about getting older, honestly, is that your ability to trust your gut becomes even greater. I would say the only other thing that has always stayed with me, very much related to that, is if my mother hasn't hadn't really checked within her gut and had her true north very clarified, I wouldn't even be here. So I'm very thankful for that. And I think that's why being able to tie in building something that can drive better life outcomes and in particular for women and to apply my own professional expertise in doing that in terms of building a brand and building a consumer oriented business that just it very much is a dream come true and i get a lot of you know satisfaction and fulfillment because of that Caitlin this has been phenomenal so appreciate your time And I cannot wait to watch love just absolutely take over the world. Thank you. 